Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. from Eden Hazard, Kai Havertz in the Champions League final, Ivanovic! In the middle, it's just behind him, but it's in by Hakim Ziyech. Matic with the ball driver! It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast. Coming up on this episode... Hey, listener, you did it. The final international break of 2023. It's over. It's finally over. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I'm joined in a virtual room filled with lions. I've got Ollie. I've got Chris. It is the Friday show. And that means I ask you... What are you most looking forward to this weekend? I'm putting Christmas up this weekend. Much oh, to, you uh, damn well are. Much to Chris's behest. Uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be putting that all up this weekend and then seeing some family. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be nice. What about you, Chris? Are you putting Christmas up? No, my wife's doing it tonight while I'm out because she always does it while I'm out. Um, <laughs> I think I think so she can do it earlier than I would want. Uh, I think that's oh, the wow. I think that's the key there. Uh, what am I most looking forward to this weekend? Do you know what? I'm quite looking forward to tomorrow. Um, Liverpool, Man City, then the Chelsea game. Mm. That's like a good five hours of football, isn't it? It is. You can't know that. You know yeah. what, Chris? You should you should put it all up. You should wait. You'd be extra petty. You should wait until she goes out and then take it all down. Oh, take oh, it all wow. back out. <laughs> oh no. Oh, you, you know what, that. Chris, you I I've got a perfect sound drop. If you do that. <laughs> I'm in danger. Yeah, you're getting he in trouble. <laughs> yeah, he gone for that. He gone. He gone. Right. Um another sound drop. It was just a perfect, beautiful slate of NFL I have in front of me. I mean, yesterday I got to watch uh, the Thanksgiving game. So happy Thanksgiving to everyone who celebrates. Uh, I got to watch Packers at Lions, the Commanders at the Cowboys. Less about the Seahawks game. Don't need to talk about it. I saw the tweet. Don't need to talk about it. Uh, Tonight is the Black Friday game, which is Dolphins at Jets. And then Sunday I got Jaguars-Texans. I was like, yes. Um, But genuinely, on the subject of Thanksgiving, I actually do. Genuinely, this is actual genuine. Uh, just take the chance to say what I'm thankful for. And it it's not only like the whole podcast team, like you two, and obviously Berth, who's not here tonight. Oh, but you're so sweet. I, I mean, I do mean it. I genuinely do. But also you listening. Um, like over the autumn and, or the fall, I, I suffered a loss in the family. And, and this person was someone I was very close with. And they inspired me and taught me to bake, cook. If if you know me personally, you know that's one of my passions uh, and so much more. And what helped me through it all was genuinely recording this podcast, you know, writing the scripts, putting out a product that you listeners, you enjoy our company twice a week. You do. And, you know, it genuinely helped me. And you didn't realise you were helping. So for that, thank you, listener. Uh yeah, you really are legends. And as are you two. And Berth, who's not here. Uh, yes, and but, thank you and thank the listeners. Yeah, so... Yes, indeed. Yeah, I genuinely mean that, yeah. So, news. Oh, it's that time of the week. We get to check out news you may have missed in that elevator of Chelsea News. Trevor Chalabert has suffered another setback and he's expected to be out until January. Premier League clubs have voted against a temporary ban on associate, associated party loans. Chelsea still plan to offer Ian Matson a long-term deal. 
Hannah Hampton, Billy, Millie Bright, Jess Carter, Neve Charles, Fran Kirby and Lauren James have all been selected in Serena Veekman's 23-player squad for next month's Women's Nations League matches. And finally, whilst 1-0 down against Austria, Germany manager Julian Nagelsmann told goalkeeper Kevin Trapp to fake an injury. I mean, it is clear that Nagelsmann has easily graduated the university with his degree of Mourinhoism for that. Oh, I don't know. It was incredible to watch. And Kevin Trapp's a very handsome man. So it was it was just quite ironic how he just looks over and, he, oh, just go down. It's like, really? One nil down? Killing time? Mm. Yeah, well, whatever. I, I don't know what, what is happening with Germany. Like, it seems to me like Nagelsmann just doesn't seem like a, a, a like a, a country coach. He doesn't seem like a national team coach. I don't think they're getting like out their group coach. at Euro 24. Not looking no. at how they play now. I mean, mm. Mm, be interesting. Um, I do want to guide some focus to this, though. Uh, I mean, it's changed all week. but So, apparently, Todd Bowley is heading straight to Napoli for Sun, Pizza and two of their star players. So, according to Nizar Quinsella, Chelsea and Victor Osman have a mutual appreciation and the striker would choose Chelsea if they were competing with Arsenal and Spurs. Of course you would. I mean, we all would. But this is what he had to say. It's a bad market for strikers in January. And Ozerman is the striker that everyone wants. There's no point in getting another young one now. He'd be a great fit and Chelsea like him. Ozerman likes Chelsea. I had the information for a little while. He's always loved Chelsea, loved Drogba. They've got some similarities. He'd be interested in Manchester United, but they're not going to sign a striker. It's basically Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs competing in the battleground. And Ozerman would probably pick Chelsea out of the three. Uh, I mean... What are we all thinking when it comes to Osman? Is it a hundred twenty-eight million pound gamble that you would take? Um, See, I've, I've said in the past that I think I would, but the the closer we get to the the actual reality of it potentially happening, the more concerned or like the more like apprehensive I become about it because he doesn't play that many games, Osman. Like he he his injury record is. Okay, it's not great, it's not not terrible, but he mm. doesn't actually end up playing that many games. And I wonder if he'll struggle in the mood. I know it sounds silly because he's a physical player, but will he struggle to the 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 fittest league in the world, really, in the Prem? I I don't know. And then you're talking about value for money for 128 million for like not even what 30, 90 minute games a season. It's difficult. And I just think the price tag is is been deliberately set so high that it just it, it seems almost too high to even really consider it seriously. Mm, I, I mean, I'm still kind of chuckling how many said we should have uh, signed Vlajevic after he scored. He scored, I think he scored twice early on in August and then obviously got a double against um, Lazio. And he hasn't scored since. That's the 16th of September. And we're all like, oh, we should have, we missed out. And it's now like, mm. we should have signed him. That's a Chelsea striker. Uh, mm, through and through, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> there it is, actually. Now you put it. Why did, yeah, I don't I think it's about six, seven games he's gone without a goal. It's like, oh, yeah, proper, proper Chelsea. Proper yep. Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, Chris, what, what do you think? I mean, 128 million is just sort of a, it's just the ballpark figure we've seen quoted. I mean, it's probably going to be higher, lower. I don't bloody know. But over 100 million, let's say that. Would you take it? It's tough, isn't it? Because I'm kind of I'm, I'm, I kind of understand where Ollie's coming from, and I, I do think now, I think all Chelsea fans are a little bit concerned whenever we sign a striker. I think we could sign any striker, We've all got and we'd all, yeah, we'd all be worried still a bit. Mm. 
but mm, it, to be honest with you, it really does depend on how Jackson continues to perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because for me, I just think I've said before that I don't think Jackson is good enough, but then he has shown over the last couple of games that he can get goals. I think if if we started to, if he started to score goals against low block teams, and let's say we get to January and he's in double figures in the Premier League mm. goals wise, I wouldn't take that gamble then. Okay. I wouldn't take yeah. that gamble in I would January wait I, at the very least I, till the end of the yeah, season because I'd like, see the season out. Yeah, I'd see the season out with him and Nkunku going in as well because I know. Jackson's going to go to Afcon, but I would imagine that Osimhen would be going as well. So you're not really, you're, it's not like you're going to gain anything. No, you're not going to get them both. You're only going to have them both. You're not going to have one replacing the other. So uh, it's tough. Even good, in the good, summer, it's an that, important thing to consider. That it really is. Yeah, it's. I think what concerns me more now is the fact that he's been injured, and we just don't know. You know, we've had the whole Wesley Fofana thing. We signed him after a long injury and then he spent most of his Chelsea career so far injured. So that that's put me off a little bit. I, he would still be my striker of choice. So I think if we need a striker desperately in January because Jackson's stopped scoring or in the summer we, we desperately need a striker, he would still be my choice. And it's just a gamble I think you'd have to take. And, the market's uh, so dry, isn't it? Yeah, and so surely... Dry eventually one of these strikers is going to work out for us. It's got to. I mean, by of sheer law of, law of averages. Eventually. I mean, we, we did sign a player off the back of an injury, didn't we? Diego Costa. Yeah. I remember him playing in that Champions League final and he just pulled up. Uh, was, you yeah. did sort of think, oh, fuck. So, hey, we'll see. I mean, there's also the news on the other player, which everyone's waiting for me to pronounce. So I'll just say it's Kravischelia. Oh, have, God. Yeah, every, yeah. Everyone calls him. You know, there's a reason they say Cravadonna because he's he's very. I could see the similarities. I don't think they call him Cravadonna. What do they call him? Varadonna. Like, <laughs> the V first. That what? Varadonna. K V A R A. Okay. All right. I've been put in my place. <laughs> right. Look. He's apparently he's not a concrete target for Chelsea at the moment in time. They still believe that Mudrick is the future in that position. That was from Fabrizio. So apparently Faradona is currently in negotiations to extend his deal at Napoli for another 12 months with a pay increase. Of course, uh, his existing deal runs until 2027. But despite those discussions, Napoli are reluctant to lose two key players in a single year amid, obviously, the contract talks, because obviously, Osman as well. So one of them, I, apparently, Napoli president Aurelio De Laurentiis has previously dismissed the notion that any are accessible at the moment, and it, it would be next summer. So for Aradona, fits, he does fit our youth high pro potential, sorry, high potential transfer strategy. Would this be a key addition or just another young player for the Stamford Bridge store cupboard? This is pointless. It, it, I'm like I'm not trying to be like cynical or whatever. I'm not trying to say Kvara is not better than like some of the players we've got now, but like you got to think about this logistically. It's just pointless at the moment. We've yeah. got what? What is it like? Nine players for like four positions across the front of the front. 
the front four, you know, when Kunku's back, when Chukwameka's back, like all things considered, when everyone's fit, nine players. Like, how do you add someone like Faradzkelia into that? You know, you, just... you get excited at first, and then you sort of think about the move and go, where does he play? And you go, yeah, exactly. Mm. It, it just doesn't seem to make any sense to me. And not to mention as well, it's like he kind of exploded onto the scene. He did. And kind of dropped off since. He did. So like, that... I would kind of want to see a bit more consistency. Uh, he, look, he does impress me. He's impressed me as well this season. You know, he's still there shining light at Napoli. I mean, three goals, four assists in 11 games, league games this season. And that's kind of despite that you look at the team, you know, they've had the managerial change from Rudy Garcia to Mazzari. That's literally this, I think it was the last week, due to obviously their struggles on the pitch. But if if you look at both sides of this, it's going to cost you easily 200 million minimum for both together. So when you Not look easily. at our squad focus, you'd want to focus on... That, just, <laughs> just buy Mbappe for that, right? Like... Even if it's mm, 250 or 300 million, just add the extra on and just get Mbappe. The reason, yeah, the reason I'm going mm, is not because I'm thinking, do I want Mbappe? That's not the question. The the reason is I don't think he will come to England. I think he will go to Madrid. I, I, I'm still convinced by that. I don't see any I, other club. I think he will, but at for. the same time, it seems that eventually. I, I think Madrid will either go for Holland or Mbappe. And I think there's. A oh, good it'd be either or, yeah. They'll, it's a good chance they'll end up with Holland, I think, because because mm. mm. of how many goals he scores. Chris, what do you think? Is it uh, is it unnecessary purchase? Uh, I personally wouldn't go near him for that price. Um, I think I think Ollie's absolutely right. Um, he last season he had kind of like um, kind of like what uh, Edward Mendy did for us. Came from out of nowhere, no one knew him. Mm. Played unbelievably well, and now seems like he's on the decline. And his decline, I think, will still keep him at a good level, but nowhere near that price. I don't think he's. I don't think he's worth that money. I think he'll be a. I think he'll be a good player, like a sixty, seventy million pound player. But he's yeah. not an over a hundred million pound player. No. And you know, we've we've got loads of them already. We've got loads of a hundred <laughs> million pound players who yeah. are. Um and we don't need another wide player, let's be honest. The last thing we need is a winger. Yeah, that's actually a good point. We've got a lot no, of the players last thing we need is a, the, is a is yeah. a DM. That's the last thing we need. And then <laughs> right. Mm. Chelsea's women, they were back in Champions League action this time, uh against Paris FC at Stamford Bridge. Here is our match report. Chelsea's starting lineup underwent five changes against Paris FC. We welcomed Berger, Ashley Lawrence, Kadisha Buchanan, Joanna Ritten-Canrid, and Jesse Fleming. Whilst Zesia Mesovic, Eve Perisette, Marin Majeld, Ingle, and Aggie Beaver Jones made way. Uh, despite Chelsea's desire to maintain momentum in this game, the visitors did dominate early on, uh, with a few shots that tested Berger in the goal. However, Chelsea gained control, as we know that they can, and Erin Cuthbert set up a chance for Lauren James, who unfortunately missed the target. James redeemed herself, though, at the half-hour mark, providing a perfectly weighted ball to Sam Kerr, putting Chelsea in the lead. Uh, although Canred's attempt was denied, Paris equalised before half-time, when Grubvoll's header went in. So, half-time. Frank Kirby's introduction sparked a quick, quick response. 
And we regained the lead with Sam Kerr yet again on the score sheet. And then it was the hat-trick as Sam Kerr showcased her quality with an exquisite finish from the goalkeeper Burgers long pass. I mean, you've got to check it out. It's worth checking out. And then as the game finished, Chelsea continued to press. They created chances for, there was Cuthbert, Canred and Kirby. But Paris, they, they did remain a threat. I mean, they did have some chances to, you know, bring the scoreline to a 3-2, but, but just didn't. And Berger's alertness, really, was the reason, you know, denied Defoe. And then in stoppage time, there was a fourth goal sealed when substitutes Perisette and Ingle combined. So three crucial points after last week's disappointment against Real Madrid. And four points in the group. Next up, Hacken. So, Chelsea 4, Paris FC 1. A comprehensive victory for the Blues in their second group game. Sam Kerr bagged herself a hat-trick to add to quite an incredible week for her after getting engaged. And uh, Chelsea celebrate three huge points. Just general thoughts on that one, Chris? Uh, First half, poor. Um, And I think... I think actually this game really showed how good Emma Hayes is. Um, we had a poor first half where we really struggled to figure out what Paris was doing, couldn't keep the ball. Um, everyone was very sloppy uh, and didn't really create much. Um, but then half time, a few tactical tweaks and second half absolutely dominated. Could have scored more, should have mm. scored more really. Um Incredible hat trick from Sam Kerr. I mean, she's just an unbelievable finisher. Um, but Lauren James put in another good show in. Uh, yes. Second half was out. Yeah, second yeah. half was outstanding. I just, first half was poor. But this team knows how to win when they're not mm. at their best for the full game. And you know, to win that convincingly uh, was something, and it puts us in a really good position in the group now. Yeah, for I mean. It an important win after the disappointment of last week against Madrid. Uh, that, that, I mean, with the way that Hacken are going, this group's genuinely fascinating now. You know, who who knows who'll go through with the top two? Because obviously they sit top with two from two. Chelsea have argue, arguably been the best in terms of performances because of how we, we were so yeah. good against Madrid. And obviously you don't win 4-1 by a fluke. So, I mean, that's ironic, isn't it? Considering we beat Spurs. The men's team beat Spurs with, yeah, with, was it 5-2, wasn't it? Was it 5-2 when we beat Spurs? Jackson Hattrick? 4-1. Was it 4-1? Was it 4-1 as well? Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know where I got the second goal from. Irrelevant. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I mean, the next, the big game is the 14th of December. Hacken and Chelsea. I mean, that is huge, which is not what we expected, really. We probably thought it was going to be the Real Madrid games, but hey, um, I was impressed by Sam Kerr and Kirby's combination play. I mean, obviously, when she came on after into the second half, we start playing better. There you go. Uh, there, there was a couple of negatives. I mean, the one, I, do you think that the goalkeeper should have saved that first first one? I mean, she'd have to, Berger would have had to have punched a player, I think, in the face to clear it. But it was, it was. A, mm, I don't know. What do you uh, think? Worth it. Yeah, I don't, she should, she made a mistake by coming attempting to come for the ball in the first place. Mm. And then I think it it was one of those sort of um, perfect storm moments where Berger 
thought Carter was going to clear it. Carter thought yeah. Berger was going to save it, so neither of them did anything. Um, it, that, it, I think I don't think it would have gone in if one of them had completely tried to do nothing. But they both kind of mm. half went to do I'm, yeah to save it, and then neither of them ended up keeping it out. Uh, yeah. But it was Berger's mistake in the first place coming for the cross, I think, put her in an awful position. But then she made some incredible yeah, exactly. saves. And then so, made up for it with the part, the assist. Yeah, exactly. So, there you go. Um, you touching on that, actually. Jess Carter, I did observe facing some challenges lately. You know, last few games, a couple of missed tackles, some loss of possession. I, I feel it's almost like it's a mix of when, when Bright's not in the team, that she misses that link up. But yeah. she has played the majority of the World Cup, has since played every minute available for Chelsea. I feel maybe a bit of a rest. Yeah, I think that's fair, to be honest. Um, she's one of the few players in the team who hasn't really been rotated out. No, no, you um, sort of realise you're like 90, 99. Literally every game this season, I believe, has been 94 minutes. Yeah, so it's it, it will get to eventually. Um uh, she, her form has, has dipped it, but I, I do think that's understandable and I think she probably could do the rest I think Emma Hayes is probably just waiting for the right game to do it and mm. we're just in a we, we had that we've had a a week where there was no game really where you could take a risk in rotating yeah, a, like one of your better players I, I wouldn't be shocked if she didn't play uh, on the weekend against Leicester mm. Mm. Yeah, that that's probably the best time to. I mean, Leicester have been pretty fairly decent. You know, they're sitting seventh. You know, they yeah. they haven't won in five. So this isn't this isn't the men's Chelsea team that hand out. You know, here's your first win. Yeah. We yeah. they don't the women's team don't do that. So hopefully that will be a uh, a good a good win. It's at home, two o'clock on Sunday. Sunday. So, yeah, check that out if you can, listeners, and we'll report back on that on Monday. So. Obviously, the first, the fight, the first, the final international break of 2023 is over. Chelsea are going to be heading out on the road to take on Newcastle United. So, where are both teams at ahead of this game? So, before the November break, Newcastle's seven-game unbeaten streak hit a roadblock with a 2-0 loss to Bournemouth. And their away struggles continued with only one victory in six games on the road. I mean, there was an 8-0 trouncing of Sheffield United, but at St. James's Park, they have been force winning five of six and obviously they beat Arsenal controversially they still beat them Chelsea our season our season's been interesting hasn't it you know we sit in 10th with 16 from 12 but it's four wins four draws four losses as we yeah four I mean frustratingly our defeats have come mostly against as we touched on earlier like lower block teams you know and, and almost as well lower ranked you know West Ham Forest Brentford We've only, you know, arguably Villa handing us an away loss where it's, you know, Villa are a decent side this season. But since that, Chelsea have sort of found their footing away from home, you know, drawing one, winning three, beat Spurs. Uh, and has anyone seen them? No. Yeah, I don't haven't. think anyone has. <laughs> I mean, despite facing these challenges, we've also, we forget, we, we drew Liverpool, we drew with Arsenal, probably should have won that, but... You know, we had a thrilling 4-4 game against City. The vibe's sort of positive. And when we play the big teams, we turn up. I mean, what are you expecting from this 3pm kickoff? What what, where, where, what are you thinking, Ollie? I think this is going to be a hard game for us. Not because... 
Well, so St. James's Park is always going to be rocking. You know, Newcastle got one of the best atmospheres in the league. And because of that, it's going to be a real hostile atmosphere away from home. Fans are going to be loud. And then I think Eddie Howe is tactically smart enough to know what our weakness is, which is to sit low or at least in a mid block, if not a low block, you know, stay deep, stay organized in two banks of four or four, five, one, and then just hit us on the counter you know, scrape a lucky goal, then defend for your lives. And as long as you've got enough men behind the ball, it's unlikely that we're going to be able to do anything really about that. So that, that you know, like it feels like if you've got a game plan that's that easy to understand and fairly simple to implement, are we going to be in trouble? I think it's going to be about us taking our chances when the game is level, because I, I think whoever scores the first goal in this game is going to win it, to be honest. So mm. it's going to be close. Uh, I mean, we are unbeaten against Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal and City. That's a positive. Newcastle won five of their last six home games. Um, what, what would you think, Chris? Uh, I mean, I do I, I do agree with Ollie. Uh The only thing that I think comes into play here is this is new. The Newcastle injury list and the players that they're bringing in is such a drop-off. And I think you've seen that against Bournemouth, that that was the sort of first time that all of the injuries really caught up with them. And you could mm. see that they're, the team that they're putting out now is nowhere near um, the level that they that their first team is. Uh, I think we have to go for them. I think our approach is going to be really important here. Um, I think with Newcastle, I kind of expect a semi low block but I don't think their fans will allow them to just sit in they'll have to have um, some threat on the counter attack um, otherwise the fans will start to get on their back because I, I know it's Chelsea but their fans are still going to see us as a team they should beat mm. I think mm. so um... it's it, it's one of them where I think They'll still have to leave a, a couple of players relatively high, which should give us space to 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 play in. But I think we have to play at a real high intensity and make the most of the fact that they've lost a lot of the legs in their team. Well, looking at their injury list, Mankio's out, ruled out. Matt Target's ruled out. Alexander Isaac is apparently going to be in the squad, as will Fabian Scher. As That's will, two big players for them. Yeah, as will Miguel Almiron. Uh, Sean Longstaff. Oh, you know he's going to score a worldie against us. You know it. <laughs> Sean Long, it. Longstaff, it's touch and go. Lewis Hall is obviously can't play against his parent club. Bruno Guimaraes is 100% out, I think, because he's got a suspension, I think. Or has he just served it? I thought he'd... I can't remember. Uh... I'm not sure actually. I I seen the other day that they've got like eighteen, like um, eight first team players out. So I will consult my my notes. Could be wrong. I will double check to see if he played. He last played against Arsenal on the fourth of November. That would su- uh, that would suggest injury, surely. Well, no, no, no. He was suspended. Yeah, national break. Yeah, I think he probably can play. I don't know. I might be wrong. Um. Sven Botman's out, Callum Wilson's out, Dan Burns out, Jacob Murphy's out, and obviously we know Tonali's out. So it's a big list. But um, do you know who isn't out of Chelsea's squad is Christopher Nkunku. 
He's not playing. No, but he'll be there. <laughs> he'll be there. <laughs> but he's I, definitely he not could, playing. He could, he could do 10 minutes, couldn't he? I kind of didn't want him to play because it was a concern because he's only just come back and you don't want him to get, you know, a, it, it was a concern. I mean, Romeo Lavia as well. He's back, but obviously I don't think he'll... He'll play. He could also. He. You never know. Pochettino is is renowned so far in his Chelsea tenure for picking lineups that I would consider wacky and confusing, um, <laughs> but that work out. So I guess we'll see. Oh, he will be available against Chelsea. He served it against Bournemouth. His suspension, Bruno. So there we go. So their team isn't as weak as it seems. No. Well. Well. No. You're right. I mean, you never know what side of Chelsea will turn up as well. On that note. <laughs> The Lion of the Week. So, 3pm tomorrow, Newcastle. I went with Raheem Sterling. I'm not sure why I wrote that down, because I thought I'd have picked Palmer. But for some reason, I have gone Sterling. I will stick to the Mike of the past who picked Sterling. Who are you going with? Hmm. It's a difficult uh, one. I'm going to go with someone just to annoy oh, uh, no. that, pers- that, that, <laughs> no. that person I've been arguing with. Oh, wow, here we go. I'm going to go with Conor Gallagher. Oh. <laughs> oh. That's great. I thought you were going to say Enzo, if I'm honest. No, don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Right. I'm going to go with uh, I'm gonna go with Nick Jackson. I think maybe he'll come back and, you know, hit right, you know, hit the ground running right where he left off against uh, City. Awesome. So let's head to Charisma's questions to answer some listener questions. Um, I didn't put a name down for this one. I do apologise. Anonymous was, listener. <laughs> uh, it shouldn't be. I will. My I will double check whilst I'm you know quickly on my phone. Um, how quickly do you Nkunku and Lavia get into this team once fully fit? I think Lavia rotates with both Enzo and Caicedo. He's basically like third man in in central midfield in that pivot. So he's the one who takes the pressure off of those two when they've had either international break or they've you know gone a long way for something or they've played a lot of games recently. So I think he rotates easily with I, them. And I think Nkunku, after maybe a couple of weeks when he's fit, is probably the starting attacking midfielder. That I, would be I, my guess. I've got some VAR. I know who asked that. It's our favourite person with all the food, Carefree Jude. <laughs> ah, thank you, Jude. <laughs> well, what do you think, Chris? Um, how quick do you think they get back into this team? Uh, I think in Kunku, it depends where he's going to play. Because mm. um, in pre-season, he played off the left for for majority of it. Um, but I think with the form of Palmer and, and Sterling, I just don't see either of those two getting dropped at the minute. Uh, he might rotate out with Jackson. I don't think it's as cut and dry at the moment that he he walks into the team, and I think that's a good thing that we can sort of ease yeah. him in um, to it. I, um, <laughs> I, I don't. I I think Lavia. I, I think Ollie's right. I think Lavia is the rotation player for Corsado and 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 Enzo. Yeah, and don't um, get me wrong, when, he's when, quality, but he oh, yeah. rotates for now. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, when, when they need a rest, I just uh, I just don't see Lavia. As a first team player, look at look at our fixtures. Player. Look at our fixtures. There, obviously, we've got Newcastle tomorrow, uh, home to Brighton, away to United, and what at first thought this will be all right, not so much now, away to Everton. 
because they are really pissed off right now and oh. they have every right to be. So the atmosphere is going to be incredible. And then we play Sheffield United at home. Sean so, Dyche with his gravelly voice and his gravelly I, tactics to football. I, I wonder. I wonder when, when we'll see both. We love Ray, Ray Ray has asked, how relieved is everyone after no injuries for Chelsea over the international break? Definitely. Uh, I was really expecting one, to be honest. But You I, always I think do, the, don't you? I think the fact that Rhys James decided not to go to England probably helped that a lot, to be honest. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> do, uh, for sure. Let's face it, though. Do, do our players get injured much? Uh, on international duty or is it just a Chelsea thing they just get injured when they're at Chelsea it's definitely both are you suggesting that they are better off going away on international duty than staying at Cobham maybe they are I can't remember (laughs) the last time we got a player injured on international duty Chris would Um, rather send Enzo to permanent international duty (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he's going to have a performance tomorrow he is right finally the Geordie Chelsea fan has asked I think Chelsea will sell Gallagher when push comes to shove, his own this ownership dropped two hundred and fifty million plus on Enzo, Caicedo, and Lavia. If they do, how will this impact the relationship with Poch? In your opinion, I'd say it would end it. Because yeah, I mean, if I it's agree. against if it's against what Poch wants, then you've undermined your manager. And look, I know you could go pay out. No, why would you want that? You'd be like, what's the point? I don't have final say on who I have in my team. I am the manager of this team. I want Gallagher in my team. You just sold him. Thanks. Yeah, I, I think I, I think as well it would show it'd definitely that... damage it, wouldn't it? I think it'd be stupid. Yeah, oh, if yeah. I mean, it would just be self-destructive. But also, it would show, wouldn't it, that well, you don't care about what players are doing. Then you only care about no. how much they cost. Yeah, exactly. So if you're Actually, a player, you're right, yeah. if you're a player who isn't one of the hundred million pound players, you might as well give up. Then there's no point. You've got to, it you doesn't matter what you do. You throw away someone who's currently, or at least recently being captain of the team who's been an academy player who actually mm. gets the club who's a fan of yeah, the club 100%. there's a lot of intangibles there with Gallagher that you really don't get with just anyone who comes into the team he's useful to have around in the squad because as I keep saying I say it every time I talk about Gallagher he sets the standard physically and mentally yeah. on the pitch and off of it so it would be really daft to do that I think I think you know the thing with Gallagher which I was thinking about this the other day and I think Gallagher right now is sort of what Jordan Henderson was to Liverpool when they Ooh, was it's a good winning analogy. the league. When they was winning the league, and then like you know, let's face it, points why I should have won the league another couple of times if it weren't for Man City being ridiculous. Mm. Um, not rated by everybody, and not like the best footballer, but absolutely crucial to the team. Like that, I remember that Liverpool team when you took Henderson out of it, like they wasn't the same team, and it was it was so weird because it, like Henderson isn't the best footballer, and mm. neither is Gallagher. Mm. But the things that they offer, like Ollie just said, the things that they offer are, are stuff that you can't really buy. Like the, you almost have to grow into it. Like Henderson was at Liverpool for a long time before he become that important to him, so he, he almost become like a Liverpool lad. Um, and like Gallagher is to us, like those those sort of things you just can't buy, and it would just be ridiculous to throw that away just because oh well we spent hundred million on him, so he has to play. Honestly, if if especially when you're paying him basically in like you know quavers, like because they, <laughs> yeah. they pay him absolutely nothing. <laughs> there is no, compared to some of the players if, in the squad. I will say this: if we sold Gallagher, it would be the most stupidest, foolish decision this club made since we allowed Olivier Giroud to leave. When and then we just thought Romelu Lukaku will solve all the problems. We all yeah. thought that. I mean, look, 
Look who's the second top scorer in the um, Serie A right now. Just look, and then you'll you'll realise. Giroud. There you go. Also, second best goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a good point. Yeah. That's a bloody good point. I love that. Oh, we move to the Lone Army Carousel, and there's no birth here. Oh, no. So he can't He's defend. Again. Has anyone seen Same birth? <laughs> <laughs> He's not here. So I give you a category. You give me an answer that fits into that category. And if you take too long, Jason Cundy is going to sound that alarm. So the category is, and this is in the news recently, so you've got no excuses, uh, winners of the Golden Boy Award. Yes, the prestigious Golden Boy Awards given to the best under 21 player in Europe every year. I want you to name every winner since it became a thing in 2003. And I'm going to be nice. I'll give you a quick rundown of the clubs and the year as well there are 21 names so you've got milan 09 united 08 united and monaco 2015 arsenal 06 dortmund 2020 barcelona 22 malaga 2012 benfica and atletico 2019 real madrid 2023 monaco and psg 2017 barcelona 05 inter and man city 2010 Dortmund 2011, Ajax 2018, Juventus 2013, Barcelona 2021, Ajax 2003, Liverpool 2013, Benfica and Bayern 2016, Atletico 2007, and Everton and Man United 2004. Why were they uh, all jumbled in the order? <laughs> yeah, I've wondered that. I'm what so you... mind flooded right now. I've not. What, what do you mean, jumbled? <laughs> Like, why didn't you start at 03? <laughs> uh, uh, it might be because I kind of did alphabetical order and I, yeah. So that's kind of a clue in itself. When you said when you said two clubs, though. They like... were at the same club in the same year. Both, they then oh, transferred. So what, if they oh, move... but it's only one player. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because that's how it works. They have to be considered as at both clubs when they won it. That's how they, that's how they display it on the screen anyway. So, yeah. Um. So, Ollie. I'm going to kick you off. What 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 are you thinking? 21 names. Uh, most recent one was Jude Bellingham. Real Madrid 2023. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. And you're already out, Chris. <laughs> no <laughs> way. You're telling me he didn't win that award. Surely. No. Well, what, Surely what, he won that award. In 2004. When he, yeah, he played... sure, if, you, if you like, yeah. No, because yeah, he did. Well, <laughs> he, I thought United. Did. I thought United O eight. To be fair, United O eight. See that he definitely wasn't under twenty one. Oh, under twenty one. Yeah, you did say that. Yeah, I, I'm going to check how old Ronaldo was in that year. There's no way he's that. He was born in eighty five, so he'd have been twenty three. Oh no, he's too too old. Oh, he's too, too old. old he's too old. Uh, wow. Well, Ollie's won, but I'm going to let this carry on. Otherwise, that'd be a dreadful <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's it, everyone. End of the show. That's right. a golden duck you, you, in, in yeah, carousel you, terms, I think. You can... That's bad, isn't right. it? You can, um... I thought that was a safe bet, though. I think we all did. Yeah. Dreadful. Dreadful. Oh, dear. Berth is R- turning in his not grave because he's not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, um, Chris, I'll give you another chance. You've lost, but come on. We need to fill this board. Okay. Um... Um, Gav, uh, Gavi, yeah, Gavi, twenty twenty two, Barcelona. Uh, Jao Felix, yes, he won it Benfica and Atletico, twenty nineteen. 
uh, Renato Sanchez. Yes, Ooh. Benfica and Bayern wow. 2016. I remember that season he had at Swansea and he was pony. <laughs> did, did Messi win it? Lionel Messi in Messi 2005 for Barcelona. Yeah, I was going to say he must have done. Did Wayne Rooney win it? It's he did. Everton and United in 04. I'm trying to think who the. Mbappe, surely. Monaco oh, and yeah, PSG 2017. Holland as well. Uh, yes, Dortmund 2020. Sterling? Yes, Liverpool 2013. Shot, um, I'm trying to think Milan 09. Did Deli Ali win it? Deli Ali did not. Mm. There are, I'll tell you how Milan many players. There is two. Pogba. Pogba, yes, 2013 with Juve. There are two former Blues on here as well. Both I love. I love them both. Pato. Abregas. Yes. Yes. Alexandra Pato, 2009, Vasey Milan. And, and Fabregas. Yes, 06 of Arsenal. Oh, who else? Who did United have in 2008 who was young and good? <laughs> oh, I, the, I bet Berth knows it. The listeners are screaming this lad's name. Pedri. He Pe- Pedri is on it, 2021. Yeah, I'm Barcelona. not saying he was the United one. <laughs> I'll give you a clue. He was signed along with Nanny for United. Double signing. Uh, there was a double. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember who the other guy was. Oh no, not Anderson, is it? Anderson, indeed. 2008 no. United. Right. I'm sorry, but you're telling me Cristiano Ronaldo didn't win this award, but Anderson did. Well, I don't know who the nominees were in 2008. Uh, I'm going to look it up well, for everybody. Anderson was, must have been the only nomination. <laughs> That's the only way he wins that award. <laughs> Hang on. I'm going to pull the award up, see who actually won it that year. That is an absolute joke. That's incredible. I love well, that so hey, much. Hey, I, I didn't award it. I see you know. Um, Can you get Monica? That, the award is flawed based on that, surely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it means nothing. Absolutely meaningless. If Anderson's won it, it means nothing. I'm still... I'm going to have a try and see if I can find the nominees for that year, but... Monaco uh, and United... Uh, Martial. Yeah, 2015. Oh, good shout. Who else is left? You've got... You have got one, two, three, four, five, six. Two at Ajax, one at Atletico, one at Malaga, one at Dortmund, and one at Inter Stroke City. Was Malaga Isco? It was indeed. 2012. Inter Stroke City. I can't, I can't, I can't remember anyone who's gone from Inter Milan to Man City. <laughs> you got Edin Dzeko. I think, oh my word! How can you not remember this in. iconic player that I love? I love him because he shares what, a what birthday. Twenty ten. Oh, Balotelli. Yeah, Balotelli. Oh, uh, Balotelli. I didn't know he went from Inter to City. I didn't. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Balotelli's boy. been. Balotelli's been to that many clubs in Italy. Who would know when he was there? Uh, um. Ajax. What was the years at Ajax? 2003 and 2018. 2018? Yeah. I feel that 2018. Oh, is, that, is that the year they went really far in the Champions League? Yeah, so was it Frankie de Jong? It was not the other body. Other body the other player. Oh, um, another Luke. birthday sharer of mine. Delict. <laughs> Delict indeed. Ah, Delict, yeah. 2000 and, you've got Dortmund 2011, Ajax 2003, Atletico 2007. 
Oh, yes. Ah, I don't know. I don't think I can get any more. Uh, what, what year was Dortmund again? 2011. That weren't Marco Royce, was it? It wasn't, but this player scored the World Cup winner. Oh, Mario Götze. Mario Götze, indeed. You've now got... I feel like the next two are very famous. Uh, Ajax 03 is not Zlatan. I'll say that. He did play in the Premier League. Oh, sorry. No, I got nothing. For Spurs. He played for Spurs? He played for Spurs. You know, he played for Real Madrid. That can't be right. He's won something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you his nah, career. I... Ajax, Hamburg, Madrid, Tottenham, Hamburg, Betis, Michetland and Eschberg. He's Dutch. Uh, he has Van a dart. It was Van der Vaart. And the final one is Atletico, 2007. Uh, Recently is that, retired. Is that Aguero? It is Aguero indeed. Uh, we got there. We got there. We did it. In fairness, Sorry in to fairness, all the Dutch I, I, Spurs I, fans who listen to our podcast. <laughs> I, feel like I've, uh, I, I feel like I've been robbed there. Well... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, the the fact that Ronaldo never won that award, but Anderson did, I just think I can't it. find any nominees at all from that year. Well, I yeah, because Anderson was the only one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a skill issue, Chris. I'm afraid. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just going to uh, type in best young players 2008, actually. top 20 young players from that year. Let's have a look. You had see this. Aguero would have been 19. Ever Benega, but Benzema. Benzema wow. should have won it, yeah. Or Danielson at Arsenal, Franco De Santo at Chelsea, yeah. Dos Santos at Barca, Jovetic. Wow, at like being like a really good prospect is it means absolutely nothing for your career, doesn't well, it? <laughs> Gerard Piquet was at United that time, so Walcott. Wow, well, that's a good point. Walcott. Yeah, it could have. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have been upset if they gave it to Walcott. Yeah, I mean Ronaldo was oh in two thousand and eight. Ronaldo was apparently 22. Just missed That's it. Just, see what I mean? That's oh. what I I'm just, I just looked on the FIFA thing as well because I thought FIFA would be an idea. Uh, Fabregas was there. Messi, Ramos, David Silva, Samir Nasri. Oh, he did beat out some good players there. What's that? Hang on. Anderson beat all of those players. He, he did, yeah. Are you yeah. <laughs> who, wow. won it, who won it in? Uh, who won it in 2007? Aguero. Um, Aguero. Oh, oh see, again, I thought Ronaldo would have won it that year. You know, he'd won the league. Mm. Mm, Ronaldo, was, Ronaldo was playing. I, 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 I don't know. Bizarre. Yeah, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Right. Well, there we go. We're at the end of another episode, listeners. Thank you for listening. We're back Monday to talk the Newcastle game and also Chelsea's women against Leicester. So till next time, that'll be us signing up. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.